At our closing ceremony, we can say that these were a games by everyone. We see the London Stadium most weeks on our screens with West Ham in action. The Velodrome staging world-class cycling, World Cups and Commonwealth Games and the spectacularly designed Aquatic Centre where records were broken and now thousands of local kids learn to swim. As Sebco said at the closing ceremony, London 2012 Olympics and Paralympics was for everyone. Ten years on, that remains the case for the venues at Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. It is the most iconic, positive environment that I think I've ever worked in. The atmosphere generated with, with fans in there is second to none. It's a very special place to be. This is my London Legacy, a Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park podcast, highlighting everyone's roles, stories and memories of London 2012. And in this episode, we delve deeper into the sporting legacy of the park and its venues, and some of them may surprise you. Designed for swimmers of all abilities, from absolute beginners to Olympic and Paralympic champions, the London Aquatic Centre's facilities are second to none. So much so that the centre has been the training venue for Olympic diving champion Tom Daly and his coach, Jane Figueredo, who's back to lead a new team to the Paris 2024 Olympics. Since day one and every day thereafter, and we're eight years into it now, it is the most iconic positive environment that I think I've ever worked in. And it's very humbling to, because although it is a high performance center, that's just one of the aspects of the whole center. Tom walks in the front gates of the pool and he's greeted by all of these these kids who may or may not know him, um, all the, the public that go there, all the staff that work there, um, and so uh, certainly we feel quite normal. We feel like we're just like every other person that walks in there and is using the venue. So I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, and it, it always reminds us and keeps us sort of a little bit more down to earth about what we actually do and, and the significance of how we impact those people's lives every day. Now, you mentioned the name Tom before I did. I guess that doesn't happen much in interviews with you, Jane, but we're talking about Tom Daly. But do you find it kind of poetic that when we were building up to London 2012, he was one of the faces and now that is still his workplace, essentially? Yeah, you know, um, I think when I was recruited by him and, and Alexei Vangulov to to <laughs> consider coming to London... Um, you know, I had coached Olympic gold medalists and silver medalists, and we already had five five medals um, in our repertoire. But you know, Tom comes along, and um, I, I think you you're just automatically drawn to him. Um, there's something very unique and special about him, and it's not that he's trying to be that way. His personality is a big personality. And, you know, he recruited me and I, I always feel like I'm a pretty big personality. And um, but but the name Tom Daly, I don't think I really knew what that actually what significance that had until I actually started coaching him. Then I realized um, and people here in the United States, when I came to London to coach Tom, um, one of my Russian divers who was also Olympic champion, she reminded me that. 
this is going to be very different to something I've ever done before. And it's going to have challenges that will be far, far different than I've ever had before. That statement was so true. And, um, and there, there obviously was, it was phenomenal. It had its challenges, but you know, Tom Daly is an icon in, in, in Great Britain as well as pretty much everywhere around the world. But you don't always know that because, you know, you, I just see him as Tom and, um, and I love him like he's my own family. So, um, yeah, yeah, I only notice it when we, we go to events or we're around people and then I sit back and I'm like, yeah, this is pretty big. And that Olympic <laughs> gold made in London at the Aquatic Centre? Yeah, unbelievable. Um, I mean, that was the goal, right? He recruited me um, to help him win a gold medal. I mean, there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about what my job was to be. Um, and he, he looked for somebody who had that experience to be able to take him to that level. Gosh, it was such an incredible, hard, challenging journey and I don't believe anybody that wins a gold medal it's it's as easy as everybody thinks and certainly you know there are lots of things that are are come into that whole medal winning um journey and when I first met Tom he was a a Plymouth boy he's still a Plymouth boy but how important was was the move to London and maybe creating that different environment? Did that help as far as a performance advantage is concerned? Yeah, um, I think coming to London, he knew that I was going to build a team. So what does that mean? That would be a strength and conditioning team member, nutritionist, sports psych, physio, gymnastics coach, uh, lifestyle coach, and then, of course, uh, different people we added along the way. Um, and so that's what he was looking for. And I don't think he, he really understood what a professional environment and athlete was going to look like, but he, that's what he was looking for. And fortunately we were, we provided that. And the bigger picture for you coming to London, coming to work with Tom and the aquatic center has made you understand better what, what the word legacy means. (laughs) You know, when you come to, the London Aquatic Centre, and you uh, you understand legacy because you have to give back. You have to leave something so that when people come, you, you know, Jane just didn't come and blow through here like a tumbleweed and just take all the glory with Tom Daly's medals and, and then she just, you know, blew the popsicle stand and off she went. Um, and that's what it means to me. It, uh, I want to leave something where people will go, wow, look, look what, look what they built. Look what they built. We started with Tom Daly eight years ago, one funded diver, and we now have, uh, 12, um, in the space of eight years. And, and that was my goal from the very beginning to build, to create the best diving program in the United Kingdom and possibly in the world. And and that's all relative because, you know, what does the best diving program actually mean? Um, but for me, the best diving program was to place as many of the top juniors and senior divers onto the, the top British diving teams competing for Great Britain. 
So whether that be the number of Olympic um, members on the Olympic team, which we is very significant for us. We had um, six Olympians this past uh, Japan Tokyo Olympics, um, starting with one in 2016 with Tom. And we believe in two years we're going to place probably more than that on a team. Um, so, yes, the legacy is, is a big deal now because I think it's important to leave something significant, something that's going to hopefully have a sustainability. That's the big word in our program. Are we going to be able to sustain it? Are we going to be able to continue to produce these great divers and great people. Um, we, we lost uh, one of our amazing coaches, David Jenkins, who was my assistant coach at London Aquatic Centre. He's been with me for seven years. Um, and so I have a different purpose now. I'm going back for different reasons. I'm going back because there's something special about taking David's legacy and pushing it to somewhere different and somewhere more special and just making sure that his legacy is remembered and valued and appreciated. That's just something I have to do. Jane Figueredo, just outside the Aquatic Centre on the River Lee, as we heard from three-time Olympic gold medalist Pete Reid in the last episode of My London Legacy, London Youth Rowing are now based on the park while another Olympic and Paralympic sport that took place elsewhere in London in 2012 is now also using Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. I'm Mark Proctor. I am um, an academy coach at British Canoeing, um, ex-athlete turned coach five years ago, and I'm based at Lee Valley White Water Centre in Lee Valley. Off the back of COVID, we had to think a little bit differently and we couldn't travel. And a lot of our athletes get a lot of stimuluses from, from travelling. Canoe Salon is a sport that gets people involved who need change frequently. They're the kind of people who want to jump off waterfalls. You know, that's why they turn up every day. It's not because they want to run in a straight line fast every day. They, they actually need that stimulus. So we were trying to think a little bit outside the box as a, as a programme and how could we stimulate, stimulate them because we were at a period of time when you could only travel to the, the canoe course and the gates would shut behind us. It was totally isolated to us. No public were allowed in. How could we get them out a bit? And so we reached out to the Olympic pool down in Stratford to see if we could do our flat water testing within the pool because it's it's conditions that don't ver that aren't they don't not variable. So what I mean by that is if we do it on the flat water lake at Lee Valley in February, the temperatures could be five degrees. You do the same test in June, the water could be nineteen twenty degrees. And if you weren't aware water temperature massively impacts boat speed. So actually what you want from these flat water testings is you want you want a consistent variable. Uh, you want the same temperature each time. So what a pool does, it has that. So actually you get more of an understanding of where the athlete is because you're not having to deal with these other factors that could be impacting on, on their performance. And it was great to go down there in that time because we got to see the divers there as well. We killed two birds with one stone because we got them out, got the athletes out, got the staff out, which is also important to a new environment. We got them in this pool, but we also got to see other sport work. And in that period of time, we were probably getting a bit lost and trying to understand. And seeing people was a really good stimulus for us. So that was really good. And off the back of that, athletes requested to do the same again this year. Yeah, there was more people in the pool this year and there was more 
people swimming around and stuff, which was really different to the year before. But it was it was just really great to be part of that, and um, we'll be going back again, I'm sure. I don't know anyone that wouldn't get a buzz from seeing the word Olympic pool before you walk into it, and we've got you've got young adults here, and you've got athletes here that have been involved for a long time who have been to Olympic games, but it's like um, it's a carrot in front of them. You could go to any any pool, and you probably know you're about to do a physical session, and it's going to hurt. But when you walk under the the entrance, and you've got an Olympic pool easy to get motivated and it's so good that we've got it on the doorstep and it's so good that there's a bit of a clear line of sight between the two centres as well that really helps you know that, that legacy is still there 10 years on I think it's a really healthy place to be as, as a country not just not just Canoe Slalom The Lee Valley Hockey and Tennis Centres played host to the Women's Hockey World Cup and Wheelchair Tennis Masters since staging the Paralympic Tennis in 2012 All types of cycling is now available at the unrivaled Lee Valley Velo Park Road racing, BMX, mountain biking or track cycling. That famous velodrome is also home to Bike Works that gives 3,000 people with disabilities regular access to cycling and it hosts the final two rounds of this year's UCI Track Champions League in December. Other venues like the ArcelorMittal Orbit, Hackney Bridge and the slightly newer ABBA Theatre are also playing their part bringing people to the park and making it a real visitor destination. Two of London's leading netball and basketball clubs have also made the Copper Box Arena their home. I'm Mark Clark. I'm the uh, head coach of the London Lions uh, WBBL women's team based out of the uh, Copper Box. Hello, my name is Sam Bird. I'm the CEO of London Pulse Netball Club and I'm also the head coach of the Super League team. How prestigious is it to have that venue on Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park that people will have such fond memories of modern pentathlon, handball at the Olympics, goalball at the Paralympics, and now it's your your home court? It's absolutely fantastic. Um, it's a fantastic place to train, and we train there twice a week, and the athletes have access to use the gym every day of the week. Um, but probably more importantly, we play our home matches at the Copper Box and it really has become the home of netball nationally and internationally. And so for us as a club um, to be able to, to play at the Copper Box is just absolutely amazing. Um, well, when you're working in a facility uh, that size, that good, that quality, um, it obviously sets the level for the, for the program sets the level for the present uh, the presentation of the game and I mean I, I go f- as far as saying in terms of home venues it's uh, it's the biggest home venue in the WBBL BBL and uh, the atmosphere generated with with fans in there is second to none. It, it's it's so good because you do still get a sense of. Um, the other users that have been in the in the venue at the Olympics and those users that have used it and now we we make great use of it and we still drive large numbers of fans to our games um, and we interact with those people in and around the copper box as well those businesses and you do really feel like you're on the Olympic Park and part of the Olympic Park even though we tend to stick to the copper box you know we do use the outside spaces as well and we interact with a lot of the businesses near there so um it's a very special place to be and how much do you feel part of the community on queen elizabeth olympic park it's not easy but it's straightforward to be successful on court i mean you you recruit good players um you you coach well your organization is run well 
And that, that's relatively straightforward, but to really multiply the impact of that, you, know, you need to be out uh, in the community. And as you, you say, it's not just about playing basketball. There's uh, Basketball itself has uh, the reputation of being accessible to all, and that's a huge factor uh, in this day and age that, that, that the sport can be accessed by anybody and everybody. You know, I've been involved in netball most of my life, too many years to mention. And that being in London and being able to inspire Londoners and young women and girls to be active, come and see role models, um, just come to the park to see what else there is. It's a real privilege to be part of that story. And we are very keen as a club to encourage that diversity. Net netball is a is a cheap sport to take part in compared to lots of others. It is genuinely accessible to anybody to play. Um, as you know, we run visually impaired netball as well. And we run a lot of um, junior netball camps from the Copper Box. And it's part of our philosophy and our ideology to share our sport and all the positive things it brings with health and mental well-being onto the park. So, um, at the top level, obviously, we're we're doing our very best to compete to be the best team in the country. But on a community level, it's about accessing and providing pathways for people to um, engage themselves in sport and, and feel part of the London Pulse family on the Olympic Park. If you've got the inspirational stuff of, uh, of professional sport um, generating the interest, and then you've got uh, programmes such as the Lions going into schools generating the opportunity for players to play. Uh, the Lions have an academy program that, that will take kids from you know, pretty much, you would hope like a, a football scenario, take kids from, from eight and nine and 10 in primary schools and, and let them have fun playing playing basketball. You would hope there's a pathway there, but the base of the pyramid is pretty healthy. There are a lot more outdoor courts. Now there's some, some great organizations doing uh, tremendous work in regenerating uh, some uh, outdoor courts, which means you literally can just walk up the street and play basketball. So from going in and organized sessions into primary schools, which is happening increasingly, every club in the WBBL and the BBL will have like uh, school programs. They'll generate that interest. But most importantly, the ability, you know, kid gets a session in a primary school, the ability to go out onto a street corner and onto a, an outdoor basketball court and just play whenever they want is going to give kids the chance to play even more. Do the other teams, when they come to London, do they say to you, you know, they're a bit jealous of what you've got there at the Copper Box? All the time. <laughs> All the time. Um, from the players, um, again, I've I've um, tried to promote um, the accommodation to our opposing teams as well. So they'll often come and stay at Stratford or the other end of the spectrum, there's the snooze box, which is brilliant for fans. And, and often the players will say, Oh, you know, I just can't believe you've got this facility here. You've got this, um, you know, amazing copper box. You've got amazing accommodation, great food. So yeah, it definitely annoys all the athletes, um, that are playing against us. But, but, um, it, what we are doing on a serious note is sort of setting the standard and our game hopes to go fully professional in the next few years. And we're already operating at a professional level because of the facilities we have and, and the investment we've got and the great sponsorship we've got. The game day experience is not just about guys shooting points. It's about the entertainment. The sport is fast. It's exciting. There's not a moment where you're not engaged in the event. And uh, every young kid, every family, it's a family friendly sport in that sense, because you've picked your own level in terms of what really uh, you know, what rock, rocks your boat, so to speak, for the game. 
it makes you it makes you smile watching London Lions play basketball because we play it with a smile and uh, and at the moment people need to do that. But you have fun, and I think that's the the biggest deal. It's a it's a high level, high tempo, high level sport. But you have fun watching it and the players have fun playing it. Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park is one of the most accessible places in the world and the Paralympic legacy continues as the Wheelchair Rugby League World Cup is about to be staged in the Copper Box this autumn. Hello, my name is John Anderson. I am Chief Executive of the Rugby League World Cup 2021 being delivered this year in 2022. It's going to be a huge event, the Rugby League World Cup. It's going to be right across the country. But how important is it that you are going to be in London, in the heart of London, on the Olympic Park, the venue we remember from the Olympics and the Paralympics and being in the copper box. Oh, it's absolutely uh, fundamental uh, to us. Um, in the journey in selecting our host venues, it was really important that we came to London at the Olympic Park uh, to be at the Copper Box to start our wheelchair tournament with England versus Australia there. Uh, first of all, it's uh, very much looking forward to it. But secondly, uh, so important to us that we have that footprint and tell us a bit about that wheelchair tournament, because this is pretty unique that you're bringing the men's game, the women's game and the wheelchair game all together under one umbrella. Yeah, we've got quite a lot of rugby league to look forward to, 61 games across 21 venues. Uh, but we made a decision way back 2015, 2016 that we wanted uh, the three blue ribbon events of rugby league, men, women and wheelchair athletes on the same platform for the athletes to be treated with equality and to really showcase wheelchair rugby league. Many people probably think they have seen it uh, and it's, it's probably the Paralympic version. So this is an opportunity to celebrate rugby league, celebrate inclusivity and see some absolutely amazing athletes uh, delivering some unscripted drama. It's indoors, uh, it's five uh, players, uh, it, but it's a mixture of non-disabled and disabled athletes and a mixture of men and women. So going back to uh, inclusivity, it has everything. Uh, we can play together uh, with um, some disabled friends and that really does, uh, we think, set that apart. It gives that inclusive aspect for people to look forward to. But it is, it's 80 minutes. It's 80 minutes of uh, physicality. Uh, some might say brutality. Um, it has skill, it has dexterity, uh, but it also has storytelling. Um, we start with England, Australia. We've got a father and son playing for Australia in the same team uh, and I just think that's uh, quite incredible and James Simpson who is a wheelchair ambassador uh, actually featured in the closing ceremony for 2012 for the Paralympics uh, and will now represent England but all of this is a celebration it's a celebration of people it's a celebration of pride and it's a celebration of place and I think that link between 2012 and 2022 um, absolutely works for us. What is your call to action what are you telling the people of the world about the Rugby League World Cup and in particular coming and seeing some games maybe on the Olympic Park? Absolutely. We want people to uh, experience uh, watching these amazing athletes in person. Come uh, see, witness, uh, and I think particularly from a wheelchair perspective, uh, if you've never seen the game before, uh, I think you will go away a lifelong fan of the sport. The London 2012 Olympic and Paralympic Games were staged in what have become some of the most iconic sport venues in the UK. But like the park, they've grown and developed too, with many more sports and local people using them for fun and fitness. And there's still plenty more to come. Don't forget you can share your memories on social media. Hashtag London 2012, hashtag Pass the Baton, and sign up for the latest Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park updates on our website, queenelizabetholympicpark.co.uk. This is My London Legacy, a Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park podcast.